0: I never wonder what's out of there. Boys and girls, welcome back to another edition of You, Me, and Lore. It is one of your trusted co-hosts, Kenny Gomez, aka Ken Dog, and we're gonna start this hot and fast. We are picking up with part three of the Technomancer. And uh, just to remind everybody, this game was made by uh, French developer Spiders. It takes place on Mars. And we are following the story of Zachariah Manser and his band of uh, renegades to say. Uh, Last time when we left off with them, he had just finished becoming an enemy of the Abundance Corporation after Victor of the Abundance Security Council planted two moles on him, which were David and Jeffrey. Zack and his band of renegades have arrived in the legendary Merchant City of Noctis, a city as old as Mars. Little did he know that Nisha the singer, Andrew, aka Lucky the bum, were actually spies for the city of Noctis, and they've been keeping their eye on Zachariah as well as what's been all going on in abundance. Uh, We left off going through the beautiful golden doors of Noctis, fighting for our right into the city, and then being lost in its grandeur. And just to describe the legendary city of Noctis to you beautiful people, imagine imagine being greeted by beautiful golden doors. You walk in, and the city is full of life. People are minding their daily business. Travelers are coming in from every corner. Soup kitchens are set up so that the the tired and weary have something to eat as they begin to establish roots. Mutants moving freely through the city, not locked up in pens, not asked to do slave work, not asked to sacrifice their life for those who don't care about them. Real freedom. The atmosphere in the city is different. It's lively. There's no fear of the Vori. There's no fear of the ASC coming after anyone. People here get to live life in peace, make their money and go home. Even you could argue that the that the city in a way looks like a better version of the slums of abundance. Only difference is it's not litter and signs talking about water, work, and freedom not being sent to the front lines to die in a war that nobody didn't ask for. Just people living their daily life, doing the best that they can. You went to this city and you see it's flooded with markets, merchants selling armor, weapons, needs, foods. You even stumble past upon a preacher spreading the religion of Mars, screaming to the to the hopeful as to how we betrayed the sun and left Earth and it punished us by burning all of Mars before our arrival. So that way, when we got to the red planet, there was nothing, just dirt, heat, and pain. And even though it constantly burnt the colonists, the heat from the sun mutated the humans for their sins of leaving Earth. The sun did eventually take pity on us and gave us shade. The shadow is our redemption. Yells the preacher. But that's a, that's a story for another time. As you inch closer and closer to the palace of the Prince of Noctis, you see more people in lines grabbing food courtesy of the same church. You see the courtesans through the city, the engineers working on the windmills and water pipes. And then lastly, as you get closer and closer to the palace, you see the last marketplace right outside, right outside this beautiful structure that looks of Roman architecture, Roman architecture found in the Middle East during the Crusades. But needless to say, you start making start making your approach to the palace. You walk up two flights of stairs and they're greeted once again by two more beautiful golden doors similar that you might have escaped the, the hell of abundance into the pearly gates of Noctis, but we'll learn as the story goes on. This is nothing more than a purgatory. You went to the gates and are greeted by a court full of people, people visiting, guards of Noctis, royal servants. Hell, there's even a zoologist in the corner. <laughs> but needless to say, It is filled and vibrant, full of life. The center of the the entrance is actually filled with a little pond or a pool with plants, maybe animals. But no time to get lost in the glamour. Zach and his party continue their approach. They go to the second floor of this massive palace or castle, if you want to call it. And they're greeted by more people talking, gossiping, planning. And there he is in the center of the room, all eyes on him, all ears listening to what he say, the Prince, the Prince Dan Dolo. Once he catches your eyes and sees you with Nisha, as well as Andrew, you're greeted. He welcomes you to the city of Noctis, lets you know that you will find safety and comfort here. We will set up a room for you. Everything you need and more is here. Don't have to worry about the concerns of abundance, the concerns of the war. Only concern Dandolo has for you is for all inhabitants of Noctis. Big or small, poor or rich. Your only job is to make sure you are of use of the city. That's how the ecosystem here works. Everybody does their part when asked But Dendolo's very excited because not only are you a new inhabitant of his city, Technomancer, and now you're officially the first Technomancer of Noctis. He's excited. He has plenty of uses for you, just like everyone, just like all the corporations of Mars. There will always be a use for the Technomancers, whether they like it or not. The prince does not mince words with you. First of all, that beautiful little rover you came on, you need to figure out a way to get it off the main road. The last thing we need is for Abundance, Aurora, any other corporation to find the rover that Zach and his team hijacked with Amelia and that would lead it back to the city. Secondly, we're informed that during the ensuing chaos and abundance caused by Victor and the ASC and a little bit of by Zach and his team escaping the city, um, things have gone to hell. The technomancers, the spear of the abundance army, the cops, the law bringers in all of abundance. they have been sequestered. They are being held prisoner in their own temple by the, in, in, in the exchange, by the by the rich and powerful. Because Victor is so dead set on learning the secrets of the Technomancer's mutant origins. His hunger for power is so, so bad. He's even replacing the Abundance Military with ASC Loyalists. But that's a matter for another day. Currently, Zack cannot go back to Abundance to liberate his brothers. But there will be a time. And lastly... Dandolo tells you straight up, Noctis is a merchant city, and with the war, with Abundance and Aurora going on, business has been good. However, there's currently a ceasefire. Seems as how the Aurora army, by the grace of whatever god you want to call it, was able to take a crucial victory from Abundance in the Battle of Green Hope. Now, Noctis trades in all many things, food, spices, and everything nice, but they also trade in weapons. And the prince lets you know that there are bills to be paid and there's money to be made, especially during war. So one of the requests I have for you is this. I need you. Dress up in abundance military uniforms. Head to an aurora and shadow path. In some context, a shadow path is just a route within the caverns of Mars. And I need you to defeat a battalion of heroic soldiers and steal their uniforms. To reincite the war. If you remember way, way back in chapter one, your master, Sean, his biggest qualm was being told what to do or always sending Technomancers off to die in a war. So the question Zach is probably asking himself at this time will I send more Technomancers out to die? Will I burden the people of abundance by going through with this? And if I don't go through with this, will I still have the same asylum or safety that's being provided to me? But needless to say, after everything that's gone on in the last couple of days to a week, Zach needs a moment to breathe. So we accept our quest from Dandolo and we retire in the room uh, set up to us in the palace by the prince himself. After some rest, it's time for Zach and his team to start making some moves around the city. By now, you've gotten familiar—you know where all the the merchants are, points of contact—and it's time to make a name for yourself. So as you're leisurely patrolling the city, you come across a beggar in need of a miracle. He's concerned. He's heard whispers of who you are and what you've done. Him and his wife have become deadly, deadly ill. And they think it has to do with the generosity of the church. That open kitchen they have dead in the middle of town, passing out bowls of soup. Something's wrong. It's making everyone who's poor, deadly ill. Or worse, killing them. They have nowhere to turn. And Zack, being a man of action, understands, I can't make no guarantees, but I can look into it. So quickly and easily, he starts putting his detective skills to the test. He runs around speaking to different beggars, trying to figure out how they feel. Until he stumbles upon two by the entrance of the city. One clearly distraught, the other one clearly very, very sick. Zach speaks to the man, figures out if he's been enjoying the free cuisine being offered by the, by the church. The man replies, yes, and I'm fine, but there's something wrong with my friend and I got no way to help him. Now, depending on your version of Zach, Zach might be very, very, very skilled scientist that he's able to administer a blood test on the fly and get the results. If your Zach isn't, don't worry. Dr. Scott is more than happy to provide an analysis for you. But needless to say, you see in his blood that there's poison. Maybe it's rotten food. Maybe it's a bad mixture. Or maybe it's something more nefarious. You bid the beggars off, and you had, and you make your way for the center of town. There's only one way to go about this. We have to go to the source to figure out what's going on. So you get in line at the soup kitchen. You see everybody grabbing their bowls, and then you approach the chef, the cook. You ask him, you know, where's this food come from? How is it provided? Chef lets you know, hey, this comes from donations from the church, people in town. I don't necessarily do anything special. They gave me the instructions on how to cook it. They gave me the material and that's it. Clearly, this man is nothing more than a messenger or a lackey. So there's no point in pressing him. Only thing to do at this point is to grab a bowl. You grab yourself a bowl and you make another scientific analysis. And if you don't got the skills, don't worry. Scott's a walk away. But what's causing all these pilgrims and beggars and and merchants to be sick isn't the food. But it's a secret ingredient that's being added to the mixture. And that secret ingredient is arsenic. Now, what is going on here is what's truly shocking. Why would the church in all its benevolence be poisoning potential members, people in need, people who are hurting? Now, when you walked into the city and you first learned about this free bowl of soup, you learned that the church was in charge, but somebody in particular of the church the son of the preacher. So we decide to pay him a visit and see what exactly is going on. As you approach the son, he is everything but a man of faith. You learn real quick after having a small conversation with him and explaining that there happens to be some poison in this food you're providing. He shows his true colors. He cares little for the people he serves. He realized that if he can poison the people and heal them of their afflictions, they'll view him as a God. They'll view him as a savior. Needless to say, this does not sit right with Zach's spirit. So he politely asks the preacher, son, to rectify this and cure all of the people he's infected or affected with this poison. Now, like any good story, you already know that the preacher's son is not having any of this and proceeds to yell at the hired goons he has to strike down Zach so they can keep everything going business as usual. Now, your Zach isn't necessarily a man of faith, but when the evil are wicked, he is more than happy to provide judgment. And mind you, after a, a good old session of fisticuffs and a little signature electric punch to the face, there's a bit of a, a pause in the combat. You're given two options here. You can either A, inform the preacher's son that not only will he cure the people he's poisoned, he will no longer step any foot near that soup bowl if he cares anything about his own life, as well as he'll stop any illegal acts of poison to make himself famous. And then the other option, the easier option is, let me finish giving you the hands of the Lord and then I'll put you down permanently. Depending on your playthrough, there are I wouldn't say repercussions, but it may hinder or help you down the road. In this run, we decided to keep the son of the preacher alive and have him rectify all the wrong he's created. Needless to say, not only the not only did the beggars and the pilgrims of the town learn the miracle of healing, so did the preacher's son. And then you've somehow built an even better reputation in Noctis. You're no longer a visitor in the city, or an asylum seeker, you're now a protector of the weak. The beggar from earlier, you do approach him once the uh, dust has settled, and you informed them that not only is the, f- the soup going to be safe to eat moving forward, we made sure it will never happen again. And like that, you've cemented your place with the people of Noctis. But we know that we have more pressing matters to attend to. So you bid farewell to the beggar. Life goes on. However, you have a particular rover you need to take care of. And just like every regular person in the world, not many people can afford AAA. Zach is no exception. So we proceed back into the heart of the city. To figure out how we're going to get this giant take of a vehicle off the main road for all those to see. Or worse, make sure no scavengers steal it. As you walk through the city and you're trying to figure out how to go about it. You even remember Dandolo saying, hell, sell the rover if that's what it takes. But you're fortunate. Speaking to the inhabitants, they inform you that some of the best scavengers in the city are mutants. That if there's anybody that can pull that rover off the main road and back into Noctis, it's them. So you remember a particular group toward the front, three particular gentlemen. You race off to see if you can secure their services before the next day or the next cycle. As you encounter them, however, they seem more dressed to be assassins than thieves. But it's merely more protection against the harsh, harsh environment of the planet of Mars. You arrive, you introduce yourself, and you explain to them your situation. You have no means of moving the rover off, but you're more than happy to compensate them if they're able to assist you. But sadly, just like everything in Zack's life, this will not be done easily. This will not be paid for by a couple slivers of serum. The mutants inform you, why on earth would we want to help a regular human? Why would we take time out of our day to move this rover, especially after you lynched one of our own in the town square? And at this point, you have two options. You can convince the mutants to recover the rover because you're a silver-tongued devil, or you can look into the lynching first. Given how my version of Zack is built up, I did convince them to go ahead and get the rover. However, I did decide to take time and see what would cause, cause a random group of citizens in Noctis to lynch a mutant. There had to be a reason. Well, everything is settled and done. The mutants agree to go out into the desert, pull back our rover, they anticipate it takes 12 hours just given the fact of depending on how far they move it and depending on when the sun comes out they will have to stop so it'll take some time now for Zach and his gang 12 hours is more than enough time to figure out why mutants are getting lynched especially if they're not looking for no trouble out here and just to clarify earlier I did speak about how mutants were free in Noctis. They were able to move how they wanted, worked wherever they wanted. However, they were still hated. They were still mistreated. Only difference is they weren't in shackles. Now, like any good cop, Zach proceeds to the town square, and it just so happens to be right outside of the palace. And lucky enough, we've made the acquaintance of a merchant that hangs out outside the palace. So we approach him like we normally would. Instead, we're not purchasing goods. We're purchasing information. Well, the merchant is not very forthcoming just because out of fear. You have two options. You can pay him or you could persuade him. When it comes to justice, I don't pay. And neither did Zach. So we persuaded him to talk. The merchant informs us, well, Normal day outside the palace, people on about. There was a mutant child minding his business, and all of a sudden, a group of men approached him and started antagonizing him, agitating him, and then eventually they struck him. They struck him repeatedly, 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 and then they proceeded to hang him outside the palace. It makes you wonder. Is it really truly a home for any of the mutants of Mars? If you can't even walk down the street without trouble finding you? Well, needless to say, Zach asks us two questions. First of all, can he describe the men? It just so happens that the men in question happen to be religious zealots of a particular religion that we've found in Noctis. So now this religion is 0 and 2. First, the son of the preacher is poisoning the people. And now fanatics of the church are randomly lynching mutants. The second question, and the most important question, Zach asks this merchant is, what did you do? And the merchant pauses and like, what do you mean? He's like, you watched an innocent kid get beat and lynched. Did you do anything? Typical human nature. Not my monkeys, not my circus. He didn't want to get involved. He didn't want to get him have any problems for his business. And then Zach proceeds to ask him, probably one of the best insults I've ever heard. So what's it like being a jellyfish in a man's form? And for all you nice people who have never encountered a jellyfish or don't understand the insult... What's it like having no spine? And something to remember said by Douglas Horton. Action cures fear. Inaction creates terror. Now that Zach has his information and we have six hours to spare, it's time to visit the fanatics and have a word. And luckily for you, they are not too, too far. They're on a level right above the palace. So after a small uh, jaunt to where they're located, and maybe a switch up in gear and party, you decide to have a little chat with the lynchers. And needless to say, their motivation is the typical religious motivation. Mutants are sinners. They mutated because of their sin. So what's it matter if we kill a couple of them? What are you going to do about it? And once again, religion is used for bigotry. And Zach is about to use his hands to uh, spread some religious tolerance. Now, a gunshot here, a knife wound there, and an electric uh, fist to the face. The lynchers in question are now... uh, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit more motivated to speak with you options are the same I can completely wipe them off the board we can keep this a little secret or I can tell the mutants and cause hell and by hell these religious fanatics aren't dumb They understand that if I go and tell the truth to the mutants hate is going to fill in their hearts rage is going to spread all through Noctis and the mutants are going to revolt they're going to tear down buildings they're going to flip vehicles they're going to tear those people from the church up to find justice but if I let them do that Not only will the inhabitants of the city turn on them, Dandolo himself will turn on the mutants. And the nation does not need that, especially Phobos, especially what he's trying to build, being a founder of the mutant nation. Well, I proceed to tell the fanatics, or should I say Zach proceeds to tell the fanatics. I will let the mutants know. And then you're off. But as you're walking through the city, walking back to the mutants to let them know that this is nothing more than a hate crime just because of who you are, you weigh the, the pros and cons. And you decide prior to speaking with the mutants, you decide to bring Phobos along. The voice of reason, the voice of calm, especially as you... Played throughout the story, you'll see that Phobos is a very, very intelligent man. Stuck in the body of a mutant, but intelligent nonetheless. He has courage, he has wit, but most importantly, he has patience. So I grab Phobos, and we proceed back to the entrance to speak with the mutants. Six hours ain't up, and they're still out there getting our rover, so we waited They arrived back, the rover was in shambles, and Amelia needs a whole host of parts, but we'll address that later. Time for the talk. We have three options we can tell the mutants. We can outright lie to them, we could tell them the whole truth, and the last option is only available if Phobos is with you. You could tell them the truth and ask them not to seek vengeance. Wild. And I think it's a good reflection of the real world. Sometimes justice doesn't necessarily mean that the wrongdoers go to jail or they get their just deserves. And in this case, I chose to tell them the truth, but also ask them to seek not to seek vengeance. It is a very, very heavy price to ask of But luckily, I was smart enough to bring Phobos, and Phobos eases their minds, and he explains to them what they're building, what they're trying to do. They need as many allies as possible. He understands that what happened is wrong, but it's a battle. It's a battle and a long war for mutant rights. The mutants begrudgingly understand, and they'll wait. There'll be a time and a place for justice. It's just not now. And like that, Zack survives another day in the beautiful city of Noctis. The rovers returned. Nobody from Abundance or Aurora will find the rover. And sadly, the answer for the lynching has been provided. Also, you do actually go back and reassure the fanatics that there won't be blood spilt. But if they ever act up again, you promise to be the one spilling the blood. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. So go to work, cook that meal, spend time with your loved ones. And I'll see you after the break. See you. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you had a lovely little break, intermission, or maybe you stopped to go get a snack. But we are picking up where we left off. By now, it's been a couple days in Noctis. Zach is familiar. Zach is helping the people of the city. Also, at this time, he's probably made some revelations about his party members. He's learned their motivations, what they're trying to accomplish now, as well as what things they need to make their peace with. But before we can worry too, too much about what's going on with our group, we have two major promises to keep. First and foremost, our gracious saviors have requested that we ignite a war. So you proceed to gear up, grab your crew and head to the shadow path to see if you can find the Aurora military and incite this war to secure your safe passage in the city. First, you purchase your disguises at the local merchant, outfit your whole crew as a unit of abundant soldiers. From there, you ride into the night, into the caverns, into the different paths that'll get you to where the Auroran army is currently stationed. From there, your group is set, you guys make your way through these eerie caverns. It seems as though the cavern's been refitted to be a sort of transport for rowing soldiers to and from the lines. As you get closer and closer and closer, you find a group of rowing technomancers. Now, for once in Zack's life, he has a choice. He can be the good soldier, the loyal dog that he's always been and follow orders all the way through or he can choose peace for once in his life given the decision and in the multitude of how it can affect everybody involved i decide to have zach option for peace so when he approaches the auroran army in abundance uniform they're a little confused they're trying to understand what are they doing there, especially with a ceasefire going on. Zach immediately tells them the plan. Hey, I'm not actually from Abundance. I'm working with this benefactor who wants to incite the war to make money. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any problems. I just need you guys to give me six uniforms. That's it. And if you're able to persuade the Aurora and Technomancer... He wholeheartedly agrees with you. He lets you know, hey, we're not trying to fight anymore either. This war is pointless. And during this conversation, right toward the end, the Aurora soldier actually tells you, I wish things were different. I wish we could have a moment to sit down and talk about the different relics from the colonists that we found, from the first settlers. I wish, as Technomancers, we could just sit and talk about finding Earth and, and all the beauty to it. It's a, it's a nice nod to let you know that the Technomancers aren't, na- aren't naturally violent. They're pretty much weapons in the eyes of every corporation on Mars. But needless to say, you avoided bloodshed that day. You chose peace. You chose people over your own safety. And mind you, you are able to complete the mission, in a sense. You got the uniforms that Dandolo needed, but not necessarily the bloodshed he was looking for. You grab your crew, and you proceed to go get the uniforms. And it's normally here we see there's a bit of a divide within the mutant nation, or an idea. As you get closer to collect the uniforms, you see that the Auroran military is attacked by a group of mutants. And they scream and utter utter the name Cain. They do this for Cain. Now, if Phobos is in your party, uh, you'll learn that this Cain guy is a very regular figure in the Mutant Nation. Hell, he's one of the founders of the Mutant Nation, just like Phobos. The only difference is, instead of learning to make peace with the humans, to learn and live in harmony... Cain wants the mutants to live freely of their oppressors. But that means killing every human in sight, not tolerating them, not offering them friendship, but to offer them the same treatment that they were shown while locked up in the pens. You fight on the, on the side of the Auroran soldiers and you fight back to push the mutants back. And luckily you're able to repel them. Maybe with an electric fist, maybe with a gunshot here, a knife prick there. But needless to say, once the combat is over and the uniforms are securely in your inventory, Phobos lets you know if he's in your party that Cain is going to be a problem. And at some point, it needs to be handled. Because Cain is unrelenting in his hatred for humans. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later because that will come into a head and it will involve your intervention. But the mission is done. You ride back to knock this feeling fulfilled. You didn't spell blood. You made a connection with another technomancer. And for once, you did something for you. You did something that wouldn't create more problems or more bloodshed. You're honoring your master's call in terms of that all life is sacred. Back at the palace, though, it's a different story. Dandolo is impressed that you're able to. That you were able to handle this so swiftly and so quickly. But you wouldn't be the prince of the city if you were an idiot. You can either lie to him or you could tell him the truth. Because as you proceed to hand the uniforms over to the prince, he notices something. He asks, he asks you, you know, for, for, for getting these uniforms and and reigniting the war. It's so weird that these uniforms aren't covered in blood. Because had you fought them, you would have yanked them off their knocked out (laughs) bodies. So you can lie to him. And if Nisha or Andrew's in your party, that lie may not hold up, or you could tell him the truth. I opted to tell the man the truth. And he politely informed Zach, that's fine. I understand, but remember, there are other people out there who are making a profit on this war. And just because you didn't start it doesn't mean another person won't. Something to keep in mind. Well, so far we've accomplished two out of the three tasks that the prince has asked for. So now it is time for justice. It's a time of reckoning. We've established ourselves in the city of Noctis. We have made sure we are off the grid as well as we have helped pay to ensure our continued safety in the city. But now it's time to go back to go back to the place it all started. It's time to go back to abundance to liberate your brothers so with that, Zach is off. He puts his team together. And they ride through the night from the shadow pass of Noctis all the way to abundance. It's funny. As you're riding over to abundance, some of your party members make descriptions of the city. How beautiful the dome looks are. Crazy to believe how the city fell so quick. Nisha makes a comment. Describing how dark and ominous the dome looks now that it's in control of the ASC. You know better than anybody right now that control is temporary and it will be knocked down. But first, it's time to reintroduce yourself to the ASC and let them know that your fury, the reckoning that you're about to bring down on them will be heard. Your approach to abundance is complete. You find yourself in the underworks of abundance. Abundance. It's just a link of caverns and tunnels, caves under the city, used by smugglers, merchants, spies, and now yourself and your party. You go through the underworks and connect to the elevator that'll take you all the way directly to the exchange. Now, mind you, as you're making your approach, you fight through locusts, you fight through moles, But more importantly, you fight through guards. And I promise you, they are more shocked to see you than you are of them. So needless to say, you fight your way through the underworks from nature, from man, from whatever you call it, like a reckoning. The only thing standing between you and your brothers is how much fluid you have to electrify everything in your path. Guard after guard after guard goes down. Now, depending on your playstyle, you may even make it a bit of a citywide tour and proceed to every checkpoint and inform every guard in town what you plan to do, one electric fist at a time. Now, it's interesting. You notice the city is different. There are more checkpoints. Certain parts of the city are closed off and can only be accessed by going through the slums or the underworks. The people look scared. The military looks deflated. You know the ASC is slowly, slowly destroying the city. But that's a concern you'll address at a different time. But now, we need to fight our way to the temple. After getting acquainted with some of the guards, or the new guards in town, you realize you need to go back into the underworks and go through a different maintenance Stairs to get to the temple you notice on your first entry that the temple was fortified and the perimeter was stocked up with a riflemen ready to gun you down in the streets like a dog but you found the side entrance and on the way to the side entrance you find and see your captain you guys are able to reconnect she's happy to see you but at the same time she knows she can't be seen with you she informs you that everything's gone to hell Military size has been reduced. The ASC is replacing trustworthy guardsmen or army men with the lackeys, the spies. So there's nothing but distrust going around and is doing more harm than good. She also informs you that your brothers are in the temple and they're guarded 24-7 until they reveal what they're hiding from Victor. You don't spend too much talking to the captain. You wish Miss Captain Eliza Majors well, but you are on a mission. You proceed to go about your merry way. You knock down some more guards. Hell, you even clear the perimeter of uh, riflemen that were ready to shoot you down. But it's once you enter the temple, you see that it's cold and desolate. No brothers around, no warm faces, no warm welcomes. No Technomancers there to open the door for you. You first proceed into one room and collect some material, some Technomancer gear, and a pole. A fighting pole, excuse me. And that's for Andrew, aka Lucky. We'll talk about it in a different episode, but Lucky is lucky enough to have a friend like you. Because not only will he get his arm back, but he'll have a shot at redeeming himself and becoming a Technomancer. After you've cleared out the, that room or the armory, you go to another room on the far left of the temple, and that is where your brothers are. That's where your masters are being kept, and you free them. The sense of relief and joy that's on their faces when they see you. The brother, the newly anointed brother, Sean's protege, is the one that came to rescue them. But it's a short, warm welcome, because as the brothers are freed, the ASC appear just like a bad rash. No time to think, only time to act. All the Technomancers are rushed to a secret exit that'll take them to the underworks. But Master Ian decides to say, this master is going to fight for you guys to be able to escape. So you see him discharge incredible amounts of electricity, electrifying the room and any ASC guards that attempt to stop your guys' getaway. And for a moment in the assault, there's a reprieve. Master Ian looks to you, tells you to go on and lead the men. He knows they're in good hands and that he'll need to sacrifice himself to ensure your guys' escape. And like that... You as Zachariah, you take off. And not of your own volition. Master Connor proceeds to pull you away and send you off. He even informs you that he's going to stay with Master Ian to fight off the ASC as long as they can. But before he lets you go, he asks you for one last favor. Please inform Andrew I'm sorry. Please tell Andrew I wish things could have been different. And we promise to honor that. And then some. But as you make your escape, the ASC's onslaught does not stop. And you can see Master Yin getting mortally wounded by the rounds being fired at him. And just for a moment, just for a moment, you learn real quick how the brothers fell, how they were taken. At the entrance of the ASC soldiers coming in, You happen to realize and see one degenerate. If you guys remember at the beginning of our journey, we talked about another technomancer. One who tried to get under your skin. One that was secretly reporting on you. If you guys remember, it was Alan. He's thrown in his lot with the ASC for power. Has no idea what the technomancers truly are, but he's betrayed the brotherhood. But like I said, we only caught a glimpse of him. But I'm sure we'll be meeting again real, real soon. And you leave, but you hear a giant, giant explosion. Even though Master Ian was hurt, he found it way, way deep in himself to discharge one more final amount of electricity just to give you guys a reprieve. And like that the halls go silent and you proceed down the tunnel with your brothers. You fight your way through the secret area that happens to be protected by the ASC. You make it all the way back into the underworks. You fight some more and you get your brothers back to the secret cavern where which, which you entered. Knowing damn well you guys have lost everything, but the brothers are free. We make it back. We load them on some rovers or some sand and we send them to Noctis. At this point, we can stick around the city. We can uh, reach out to the VARI. We could reach out to some of the rebels in the city. So we decide to stick around. We decide to see what's going on. It's here that we learn that the city truly is in shambles. The ASC is arresting everybody and Anybody. The army's not even recruiting soldiers anymore. They can't. There's no way. How you even learn that some mutants have escaped the infamous Camp 19, led by a mutant by the name of Scum, and have gone on to form the Mutant Nation. Funny story about this last one, this Mutant Nation. Scum, this, this rubble. this leader... Let's just say the rebellion, the escape wasn't all exactly his idea. But those are logs that we'll have to check in at a different time. But I will say, though, Camp 19 might have been the birth of the Mutant Nation, but it's also the demise of Sean, your masters. We continue to grab a pulse of the city. We continue to see the... The changes in the area. We do some things here or there. We get some more parts for our rover. And then we proceed to leave. Knowing well, we can come and go from the city whenever we please. But the main goal is to release it from the tyranny that is the ASC. When you arrive back to Noctis, the brothers are mourning. Their masters, Ian and Connor, are gone. There's no master to lead them and they're in this Random place. They don't know what to do. Do we start our own sect? Do we go to Aurora and join the Technomancers there? So many questions with no direction. It's at this time you go and speak with Dandolo and you inform him. The rover's taken care of. Your uniforms have been provided from Aurora. And I have gotten my brother's back courtesy of your info. Is at this time the prince lets you know, given the circumstances and what's going on, you may want to consider becoming the leader of the Technomancers of Abundance. You may want to consider to throw yourself in the running to become the Grand Master. The thought washes Zach's mind, but right now everybody's mourning. The time for finding a new leader will come. But it's not now, because something more pressing is happening in the city of Noctis. There's a new party or presence that's hanging around the city, and they're changing the dynamic. the The nature of uh, freedom and letting people do what they want is changing. This group has a nefarious hold on the city. Merchants are going missing. Merchandise is going missing. People are out here paying for protection. Now, if those type of actions sound familiar, there's only one group that's capable of doing that. Zachariah Manser doesn't make no assumptions. He knows he needs to go hit the streets and figure out what's going on. So with that, he bids the prince farewell and he proceeds to investigate who are the new visitors and what their plans are. It doesn't take too many conversations with the local merchants as well as the local populace. A helpless woman lets you know that her husband's been kidnapped after refusing to pay protection payments. The merchants all around the city let you know there's a group that's offering protection. And if they don't pay it, they proceed to explain as to why their protection is necessary. There's only one group that's capable of this on this planet and we know damn well we left them in abundance the Vori have arrived the Vori have arrived on our beautiful beautiful new home it's time to see what's going on so Zach proceeds to go around the city finding questionable looking people and politely explains to them not only do I know you're Vori you're not good at hiding in plain sight so Zack persuades him with his hands or his tongue to get them out of the city. However, two groups are persuaded easily. No issues. The last group seems to be the harder one. And this is where we come across a character known as the crime boss. He informs us. He ain't going anywhere. This city is fresh for the picking. There's so much opportunity and money to be made here. Now, you have a choice. I can have Zach go ahead and kick this man out immediately. Or I can do some work for him to get an idea or figure out what exactly are they trying to do in the city and figure out how to dismantle it. So this particular guy, we don't kick out real quick. We decide to keep him around. We learn from him. There's a string of murders going on around in the city. String of murders where the... The the pimps... Are being brutally murdered. It's so bad that... The crime boss actually had to get the bodies... And throw them out outside the city... And let the mole people have them... So that way it doesn't look suspicious. The other thing's going on is... Turbines are being robbed... All throughout the city by the Vori. However... The turbines they're running there, they're stealing from, help power the city, as well as the generators that protect the city from the harmful rays of the sun. So clearly, Zach has his work cut out for him. Sadly, his past as a rogue is coming back to haunt him because anywhere he goes, the Vori seems to be there. Well, needless to say, you do what you do best and you address the issue. First, it's the string of murders. You actually go out of the city and exhume the bodies of the murdered pimps, and you see that they have stab wounds, at least over 50, 60 stab wounds, and it was done in such a brutal fashion that there's no way it could have been a beast that's uh, native to Mars. So you press further. You run through the city. You speak with merchants. You speak with some of the ladies of the night as well to figure out what's going on. But there's something funny about this case. Certain women don't want to talk. Certain women throw you red herrings to throw you off the case. However, you and Zach are smarter than that. You decide to follow one of the ladies of the night. They try to twist and turn and get you to go the wrong way, the wrong alley and whatnot. But it's not the case. You follow her to a secret part of the the city where all the ladies of the night meet up hell do you even need a secret password to enter this area where all the ladies of the night are needless to say after some spying some staking out you decide to address the ladies of the night and see what's going on they inform you because they know of your reputation these pimps that are getting murdered there's no murder happening here It's us. We're protecting ourselves. We're taking our power, right? We're tired of the the pimps beating us, abusing us, and taking our our money. We just want to be free. You have a decision to make here. You can send the girls right back to work. Not for the Vori, of course, but for the city. Or you can give the girls their freedom. But whatever you decide, do it quick because the girls then proceed to kick you out once they smell that you're investigating the pimp's murders on behalf of the Vori and they don't trust anybody that works for the Vori. But you know better than anybody, especially growing up in the slums. When it comes to working with the Vori, there are an ends to a means and nothing more. But before I can kick out the crime boss we still have one more thing to take care of the turbines we figured out who's killing pimps now it's time to figure out who's stealing from the city this time around we are not speaking to the regular denizens of noctis we decided to speak to the underbelly the thieves and luckily for me i met a thief on the way to buying the parts necessary to fix amelia's rover so more than likely he's where i go to start he informs me, yeah, we had a hand in it, but I'm just a little guy, man. The people in charge, they're out of towners. They kind of came out of nowhere and started making big money moves. So instantly, we know better than anybody. Absolutely, it's the void that's involved. But it's not that simple. There are two guys near the the free soup from earlier. That are attached to this group, that this unit. So if Zach wants any, informa- any more information, he needs to get in with them. So it's time to go undercover, y'all. Not Zach's first time going undercover. But it won't be his last. So you make your approach and you meet these questionable gentlemen. They look geared up like sand raiders from Star Wars and they are not pleasant. They let you know there's some gear they're wanting to steal out of the city. But there's no way to get through it because it's uh, being protected by armed guards. Now, one thing you've learned from the last two episodes, how even this episode. Zachariah Manser is no stranger to throwing hands or fisticuffs. So he informs these thieves that he wants to join their group and make some serum on the side. So they're like, go get the gear and see if you can get past the guards. Now, you can quietly do this. Or you can show a little force. Needless to say, this uh, iteration of Zach uh, did not mince words. He politely introduced himself, and lightning started flying everywhere. So we got the gear, no problems. And not only did we get the gear, we turned it into the guys and were afforded a meet and greet with the head boss. The guys in charge of the turbine theft. Now, before we head to this meet and greet, we decided to get a little bit more information from our new friend, the crime boss of the Vori. He spills the beans on how this particular opportunity or gig was set up. Essentially, they hired a group to go in and steal the parts in question. However, they can't control this group anymore. Looks like the money they were making got to their heads and they decided to go into business for themselves. Did the Vari start this? They've lost control. And they have no problems with you going in to clean up things. So we get some rest. And then we decide to go to our rendezvous with these uh, opportunists. So we make the hike. You can take an elevator. Or you can go through those beautiful golden doors of Noctis. But we meet the wind turbine robbers. At a secret location in the desert outside of Noctis. They're excited to have somebody new join the crew. They're explaining that there's so much money to be made. However, we cut them off and we let them know. We're there on behalf of the city. And we're there to teach them a lesson. And before they wrap up their ring. Zack promises to teach them a lesson with his fists. And then the fighting ensues. Well, you guys know by now, a punch here, a kick there, a dodge here, whoop, bam, pow, like a 1960s Batman episode. And with enough lightning, they're taken care of. You get back all the stolen parts. You have a choice to send them on their way or permanently send them on the way. Choice is yours. But we have resolved some of the issues the Vori have caused in the city already. We've taken care of the turbine robberies and we know that the ladies of the night want to be free. So instead of going to bed, I'm feeling a whole lot of energetic this evening. So I proceed to talk to the crime boss, Zach, and I inform him the best way possible. Time to get out of my city time for you to pack up and leave. Now, you have two ways to persuade him. You can use your fists or you can use your words. Luckily, I was able to use my words to encourage him to leave. Crime Boss lets me know, we got into this city based on mercenaries, untrustful merchants. We'll be back. We won't ever stop. And at that point, Zach realizes that the only way to deal with the Vori and Noctis, he needs to go to the source. So we decide to take another trip to the wonderful city of abundance. But this time we have an appointment in the slums with the infamous Anton Rogue. We grab our party, we grab our things, and we proceed to hit the road. Day turns to night, nine turns to day, and we finally arrive back in Noctis. The slums are the same. Nothing's changed. The only difference is the guards greet us at every checkpoint. And as you know, Zach has no problems of informing them of his visit every time, one lightning fist at a time. Well, we decided to make a grand entrance into Atten Roge's beautiful office in the slums. We electrify a regard he has outside to make an entrance. And boy, oh boy, is he not thrilled to see us. But we'll figure out what that conversation looks like after this break. Enjoy. Welcome back everybody I hope you enjoyed that beautiful beautiful break Let's wrap this episode up huh? So we are now making eye contact with the godfather of Mars The infamous Anton Rogue himself He's not happy to see us and we are currently giving him an ulcer So we get down to business We politely inform him that we do not want him in Noctis. He has no business in Noctis, and we're not going to let him spread from Noctis, because that's his main motivation. He understands that Noctis is a hub for every city and corporation on Mars. He knows he can spread the Vari far and wide if he's able to establish himself in the city. Helen, and he's willing to even cut you in on a little piece of it in the sense of he will make sure that they don't make a, a ruckus that there's peace in the city. He'll make sure his guys stay in the background as long as we lie to the prince and inform him that the Vari has been completely removed from the city. I'll be honest with y'all, under no circumstances are we letting that happen because I promise you there are consequences because that city is very important to certain people in your group. Well, needless to say, Anton isn't pleased. He is not pleased with that at all. So he accepts it, but he informs you because you didn't let him have his way with the city, that we have other problems we need to deal with. Bigger problems. Now, depending on how you've done certain quest lines, if you've done certain things for your party members, you learn fast and loose that the Vari weren't the only ones to make it to the city. There's one more party that we're very familiar of and they're in the city, and they only have one goal on their mind, and that's bringing in Zachariah. Now, Anton can make fun of you for not knowing what was happening in your own city. But if you're savvy and you've done everything appropriately, when he tries to throw it in your face, you politely correct them and inform them, Oh, I know. I know the ASC is in Noctis, and I plan to do something about it. And it's even to the point that Anton is actually impressed with you and sees that you've definitely come a long way from your roots in the slums. But this is where we're going to end it for the Vauri. We've completely cleared them out of the city. And we've made sure that they will not have a foothold in Noctis or any other corporation, or at least not on our watch. But there is one more loose end to deal with. Now... If you remember, there's a group of women in Noctis who do not want to go back into the nightlife. And if you remember, I kicked out the crime boss who was in charge of all the pimps. Now, they do have one request. The girls let you know that no matter what they do, no matter where they stay, they will not be free as long as that man is alive. So... To provide the Vori one last F you before I leave the City of Abundance, I make my way to the local watering hole and find said crime boss in question and let him know in the best Michael Corleone way. The girls send their regards. And we proceed to provide him a baptism, a permanent baptism in blood. He's taken care of. The Vori are pissed. And they have no foothold in Noctis. So it's time to return and inform the prince of what's been going on. After a long car ride, we arrive back in the city and go directly to the prince. We inform him that the ASC is there. They are there for blood and they are there for me. The prince, he understands the gravity of the situation So one thing for the Vori to find their way to Noctis, it's a whole other if the ASC have made it and have made it their home. The Prince doesn't say much. But he understands that we need to first figure out who they are and what they've been doing and how did they get here. So to cure the cancer, we got to do some tests first. Well, first things first. We need to unite the brothers. So, Zach will go on to become the new headmaster of the Technomancers. After passing trials of the mind, the heart, the fists, and then one person just giving you the okay because you're the realist, the brothers have a new person to look up to as well as a new mission. Right before you left the Prince's Chambers, he did inform you that merchants were being attacked on the roads, as well as a a specific group of merchants returned from one of those attacks, acting suspiciously. So now with the newly united brothers, you put them on the case to keep their eye out and investigate these merchants in question, as well as one of the masters who anointed you the grandmaster position has also informed you. There's another dome we need to look into that may hold some relics to figure out where the earth is. So, like any good person, you send your Technomancers off to investigate the merchants. And then you decide to hit the road. We need to first confront the bandits who keep attacking the merchants on the road, as well as figure out what in this lost dome is going to bring us one step closer to getting to earth. Things are a little discombobulated, but it'll make all the perfect sense in the world. First thing, we decide to investigate who are the people attacking the merchants. How do we go about this? Zach and his team decide to hop in and hide within the cargo of a merchant's uh, sand speeder on the way out of Noctis. It just so happens not even 10-15 minutes outside of town, you guys are attacked directly. The merchant screams for you guys to come out and spring into the action. And Zachariah and his team proceed to lay the maca down on these bandits who have come out of nowhere. Sadly, it's not nowhere. You learn quick and fast after disposing of the bandits, they were hired by the ASC to disrupt trade routes as well as get the trade routes. To figure out more and more how people are arriving in Noctis and what cities they connect to. So with that information in hand, we make great haste to the Lost Dome to figure out what relics are available to get us back to Earth while the Technomancers are still investigating all that that's happening in the city. Needless to say, your visit to the Dome is is very short-lived. Just because the Dome is filled with ASC soldiers, as well as some uh, native Martian creatures, that need the business end of an electric fist. You fight your way through the Lost Dome quick, fast, and in a hurry. You also take in the sights. It's actually also Andrew's first time at a Lost Dome. And while you're walking through the dome and fighting your way, you take the time to kind of explain what they're seeing and what it's about. You also get interesting commentary if you bring Scott around as well. Well, needless to say, the... uh, the trip or the museum trip it comes to an end real quick the room that the relics in question are in happen to already be in the hands of a asc technomancer and if you're wondering who it is you don't have to wonder too too long and hard the master in question is allen Alan made it to the relics and it's time to uh remind him that he'll always be a little boy in your eyes and that he needs some discipline. You take down Alan and his Technomancers. However, you don't take down Alan permanently. Alan's ultimate move, and you see him repeat this move from beginning to end is, he's always good at running away. So Alan runs away, but he does leave you with the Relic. But we got a bigger problem. We have no idea how to decipher the relic in question. Well, no time to waste. We got investigations to to follow through on, and we got to get rid of the ASC menace that's in the city. We head back, and the prince is happy to inform us. Also, the prince always has everything you need and more. He's the greatest MacGuffin in the world. Um. So the prince happily informs us, don't you worry about it, this relic, since none of the brothers in your clique can actually translate the relics because the only person who could read it was Master Ian, and he's currently dead. We learn something very intriguing about the Technomancers at this time. Technomancers are different per city corporation we find out that the Auroran Technomancers, not one person knows how to read relics. All of them know how to read relics. As well as there are bands or groups of Technomancers that aren't associated with any cities. They live in the wastelands of Mars by themselves and they can read relics as well. It just so happens that Dandolo is aware Of an older Auroran technomancer that's working at a labor camp for abundance. It also just so happens that the labor camp in question is the labor camp Nisha went to as a child. So this place holds some very sentimental value for her. And she even requests that she go on this mission with you to find this older this Aurora and Technomancer, but it's really more to make peace with her past as well as hopefully set some people free. Now, time is of the essence, and we don't have time to waste. So we quickly hop in our rover and proceed over to this labor camp where the Aurora and Technomancer awaits us. It's not hard and it's not fast to find that the facility is overrun with abundant soldiers as well as ASC guards. So you fight your way from the perimeter all the way to the main entrance. Nisha in particular, your party member, she fights with a ferocity that you have not seen before. But I get it. If I were tortured most of my childhood here, as well as saw my friends torture here for no reason at all. I'd feel some type of way about this work camp as well. Hell, at some point during your run into the work camp, you manage to stumble your way into a re-education classroom where Nisha has a bit of a PTSD or flashback moment. It's short and small, but it, it definitely adds more credence as to why she does what she does as a spy so that more people can avoid a fate like this. But needless to say, you fight your way, you fight your way to the main entrance and you clearly see that there are a group, a particular group of gentlemen working technology behind a jailed wall. Well, you fight your way all around the facility, liberating people, um, sending them out to the perimeter of the camp. So that way, Dendolo's people can come and get them. As you make your way through the facility and you get to this generator room in question, You have to do a little bit of investigating as well as some talking to figure out that the oldest gentleman in the room is the technomancer in question. And uh, it takes a little convincing to get him to up and leave the labor camp to come with you to do some translating just because he is in fear of his life and he doesn't want any retribution for anything. I also like to add too, if, uh, if you run... If all of your particular decisions with certain dissidents of abundance, it does come back here at this moment. Anybody you might have uh, sent to the ASC or arrested, you may encounter them and you may have a shot at redemption with them because at the end of the day, sometimes uh, you do as you're told without understanding what you're doing. But either way, the liberation of the work camp, as well as the acquisition of the Auroran Technomancer, is a success. You also managed to give Nisha some closure in regards to making her peace with that camp by liberating all those people. But time's wasting, and we know it's a matter of time for the Abundance Military, the ASC's presence in Noctis to be made if we don't do something about it now. We get back, and the auroran technomancer doesn't mince words. If he wants us to do anything, he needs a nice place to stay with some food and water. Needless to say, the perks of having the prince in your side is endless. So not only is the gentleman provided a wonderful house to stay in, he's provided amenities and more. And he lets us know, let me get settled, let me get into the city. In about 24 hours, I should have this relic. Transcribed for you, and with that, at this time, this is when your Zachariah rests. He may go off to do tasks or favors for his group mates. Some of you guys may take this opportunity to completely turn Lucky into a technomancer. Some of you guys will use this time to investigate who was the person that got Nisha and her friends put in the work labor camp. Or maybe you're helping Phobos acquire weapons for the mutants so that way they can protect themselves against everybody and anything. But the 24 hours do pass by quick. And uh, there are some developments, I will tell you that. The 24 hours are up. Also, did I forget to mention Scott, your groupmate, the resident doctor, is also missing at this time? Well... We have other things to worry about. Other concerns. We decide to go to the Technomancer's new home in Noctis and see what he was able to translate. Well, we come home to a scene. His home is ransacked. The Technomancer is missing and the relic is missing. So that means one thing and one thing only. The ASC is making their move in Noctis. And they pulled the Technomancer and stole the relic. So we decided to head back to the palace to let the prince know what's going on. And that's when our brothers inform us that the merchants in question, they've been following. They're making their moves. We know where they're all located. If you want to go ahead and address it. Now, if there's one thing we learned about the prince, he likes results. So we waste no time and we proceed to every market quarter in that city, every alleyway, every Dark, secluded area that the ASC can be hiding, and we lay down some hate. Electricity flying everywhere, bullets flying, people flying. Nothing is going to stop us in our way to figure out what happened to Scott. So, what happened to the Technomancer and the Relic? So, we clear the city out. And when I tell you it is Clean is like Mr. Clean laid down the Fury of Zeus. I don't know about you guys, but if I've ever invited somebody to my home and we've repeatedly had a uh, a list of questionable visitors, I would argue that uh, I, it might be time for you guys to move on. And the prince is no exception. After we completely clear the city of any ASC spies, we re- report back everything we've done. And the prince informs us, hey, uh, you know, given the circumstances, I would do more than anything to keep you guys here. But now that the ASC is here, we've dealt with the Vori. I can't keep you guys in Noctis anymore. I can't keep the city safe while you guys are here. So what he's done behind our back is he has reached out to the Auroran Technomancers through... um, backdoor means and he has bartered for our safe passage to the city of aurora so he has pretty much ended our time in noctus he's like pack your shit up and go what can we do nothing much else to do all the prince requires is that we be we meet him in a shadow path At a certain day and a certain time, so we can meet the Auroran Technomancers and make our way over. After some packing and some talking and some wrapping up of uh, any loose ends in Noctis, we head to the shadow path in question and meet our new hosts. And as we approach... We see the meeting is happening. We see the Prince there talking with the Aurora Technomancers. And then, boom. That's when they strike. That's when the ASC strikes. And an all-out brawl breaks out. You're fighting the ASC. The Technomancers are fighting the ASC. Prince and his people are fighting. Needless to say, it's a hard-fought battle, but you guys come out victorious in the end. However, one A.S.C. guard does make a run for it. And before you can put him down, the prince stops you. Now, I can't really explain what everybody's interaction with the prince will be. But I do know one thing. He is not a dumb man. While you're playing checkers, he's playing chess. Dandolo informs you. Don't do anything to that man. Let him go. They need to know that you guys went off with the and Technomancers. So that way they'll leave the city of Noctis alone. Unlike the Vori, the ASC does not want anything to do with the city. They just want any Technomancer and they especially want Zachariah. And it's at this point after the prince lets you know he needs to see you guys go with the Aurora and Technomancers. You're informed hey, man, I'm not sending you Aurora. Remember those uniforms you grabbed in the beginning of your stay? The uniforms were used to help set up this whole event. The Prince wanted the ASC to think that you and your brothers ran off to Aurora. So that way, they will pull up and leave the city, and they would think that Zach is a hundred per cent completely gone It's actually not a bad play. It's a good way to fool the enemy uh However, he was not necessarily kidding about us not staying in the city. He lets us know, hey, we did the fake out so that way you guys can move and pass by through the city, but you still can't stay there. He did make arrangements for us to stay in a place, but it's not Aurora. We're making like LeBron and we're taking our talents to South Beach, baby, because we are hanging out with the mutants. Dandolo, Dandolo, excuse me worked with Phobos and the other mutants to secure us passage to stay with them. Needless to say, it's not necessarily going to be sunshine and rainbows when we arrive to the mutant nation. We will have a place to stay after we've proven ourselves. But that, my friends, is for episode four. And like that, we wrap up our stay in Noctis... And we decided to go see how the mutants live on Mars. And y'all, just want to take a second. I want to thank you so much for sticking along with this. We are almost done through the story. Uh, we probably have another, I'd argue, one to two parts. And I may do some compilation episodes just to talk about some of the other side quests as well as some of your party members. But we're about to find out a lot more about the mutants as well as plan the counterattack. But, y'all, I have taken up y'all time. Thank you so much for hanging out. Tune in in about two weeks for part four, Us and the X-Men. Thanks for hanging out, y'all. See you soon. Peace. Peace. Hey, thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Mean Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner, intro composed and played by Achilles Amistat transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs both can be found on fiverr.com for inquiries information and feedback please visit you me and lore on facebook or email us directly at you me lore at gmail bye bye